when you're so polarized in one direction or the other, it's like you don't even look at the other person as a human being and you don't have the ability to put yourself in that other person's shoes. Be a human being, like have a conversation, maybe consider how the other party sees it. That was Rob Sanderson, and this is Guild Stories. Welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I am Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content. We are so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. All right, guys, welcome back in uh, here with Rob Sanderson, the co-founder um, and maybe the coolest title that we've had on the show yet, Surf Coach <laughs> um, with Swell. And we're going to hear all about what Swell is and how they serve folks and um, are impacting and changing the world. Um, and I'm going to learn lots of this. I know at a high level what's going on, but I'm eager to, to hear more and unpack your story. Um, so, Rob, welcome to the show, bro. Thanks for thanks for your time. No, thank you for your time. I really appreciate the exposure and the, the conversation. So I have to ask, dude, like surf coach. Yeah. <laughs> How does one become a, a LinkedIn um, profile bio surf coach? Uh, I would like you that. know, it's uh, it's one of those designations that really uh, means absolutely nothing. So there's no certification, <laughs> no schooling. Um, you know, it just kind of started organically, man. And kind of what I tell people is what's worse than not being able to go surfing is being able to go surfing, but not having anybody mm-hmm. to go with. Um, so, I mean, I grew up on the coast, um, you know, spent a lot of time in the water and then moving to Kansas city, obviously that's not much, water. not close, at to least not yeah. much water that have waves. Yeah. 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 So, right. um, man, I just started bringing guys from work and friends and mm-hmm. bringing them down to the coast, uh, hooking them up with a board and teaching them how to surf, man. So that's kind of, kind of how it started. That's awesome. So we'll, we'll, I'm sure come back to that at length, but if you could kind of cannonball us into the deep end, so to speak, um, Tell us kind of about Swell and about you. Like, what's what's your story? And then if you're cool with it, man, we're going to kind of trace it all the way back to the to its yeah. roots. Um, so Swell stands for Surf Waves Enjoy Life. Um, you know, I've been a police officer now for 18 years, winding down the career, actually, in terminal leave for retirement now. Um, you know, throughout my career as a police officer, as you can imagine, you see some pretty gnarly stuff. Um, deal with some stuff. And then obviously there's things in your personal life that are difficult to deal with too. I had a couple of tragic losses of family mm-hmm. members and things like that uh, that make life a little bit more difficult. And what I found was mm-hmm. every time I'd experience a loss or some sort of traumatic event at work, or I was a cop during Hurricane Katrina, the Gulf Coast, oh, man. I went surfing afterwards, man. I just had to dump my bucket. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. it, I'm not real bright. So it took me like, I don't know, <laughs> 17 and a half years to figure out like, Hey, this might be a good outlet for other people. Mm. Um, so I, I started teaching other guys from work how to surf and kind of my aha moment was when I brought, uh, a buddy of mine mm. from Ohio, now a cop in the Kansas city area down to the coast. And he is one of these dudes who just wound way too tight. He's the commander of the SWAT team. Um, you know, takes a huge active role in the department and just really embodies what it is to be kind of that warrior cop. Mm. So I bring him down to the coast. Uh, he's scared of fish, so I gave him a couple tumblers full of bourbon, man, pushed him out in the lineup, and and just watched how he just kind of, that uh, armor just started melting away, man. And he was just able to kind of enjoy the moment and, wow. and have a good time. And I was like, you know what? Mm. I know a lot of people like this that probably be able to, to benefit from it. So got with a couple of guys that, uh, you know, we made surf trips together and put our heads together really fortunate to be hooked up with some smart people that point us in the right direction and we form swell. Mm, that's cool. Uh, uh, there's so much to unpack there, but I'm curious, you know, let's use him in particular, but you, you mentioned kind of this armor melting away and this ability to be in the moment and even kind of, you, you know, your the surf waves enjoy life, right? Like um, it's not, it's, it's easy to say, but for, I imagine for a guy like that, really hard to, not the practical part of surfing. I'm, I imagine that's hard too. I've never surfed. Yeah. Um, but that like, that deep breath, that presence, that awareness of like, no man, like it's okay. Like I can kind of disarm and, and yeah, let the guards it. down, so to speak. Yeah, you nailed it, man. So like uh, hypervigilance is a big thing with veterans first responders. And basically it's just being, having your senses kind of amplified and, uh, 
remember sitting in a coffee shop with my mom and I was in uniform. She came to visit and I kept like staring over her shoulder out the window anytime would walk, anybody would walk by. And this is right after a couple of officers were killed on the West Coast, just sitting and having coffee mm. in a shop. So she looked at me and she's like, are you okay sitting in this coffee shop? And I'm in like a nice part of town. It's not mm. like we were, you mm-hmm. know, drinking coffee where you shouldn't be or something like that. And, uh, I, you know, you don't even realize you're doing it. So being able to go out and paddle out into the lineup, there's nobody out there trying to take your gun, trying to sneak up behind you. Maybe a shark, but you know, no, <laughs> Dude, nothing that, you, nothing that you really can see. Well, yeah, you know, whatever. If you're going to, if you're going to die, you might as well become food. Right. Uh, <laughs> but terrifying, you, you, you can't bring your radio out there. You don't have your gun on you. Um, you know, you're not looking for the next bad thing to happen. You're just solely focused on that and, you know, shedding away that hypervigilance and being mindful and focused. Um, there's something therapeutic about it. Dude, of course. What was the um, kind of the origin story of the formation of the enterprise, the entity, the nonprofit? Like, um, you guys kind of turned the lights on just a few months ago, right? January of this year? Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we got started pretty quick. So, um, you know, after made that trip last summer with my buddy I was telling you about, uh, had another buddy who was involved in a shooting. Um, and it was justified. All was good. But you have like this month period ish to where you're off on leave. And, you know, he comes back into the apartment. We saw him and he like gained a bunch of weight, looks stressed. Cause I mean, you're, you know, you're good. At least you think you are, but you know, you've got the district attorney's office reviewing it. Mm. Um, mm. You know, the, the person who's involved in a shooting um, was a different demographic than he was, which is, you know, challenging, especially in today's environment. So a lot of stress. And then he's got young mm. kids, a wife that's mm. obviously concerned. So, I, I looked at him, I was like, man, this is a guy that we just, we just need to take him surfing. Just get him out of Dodge, mm. let him decompress and kind of, um, you know, release some of that tension and, and maybe get back to himself a little bit. So that was really, I guess, step two, like, okay, let's do this. Because not only we want to take them on trips, but we don't want this to be like a financial burden from mm. there either. So we want to pay for it. Uh, make sure that they're staying in a nice spot, so they're not worried about how am I going to afford to pay this credit card debt off yeah, when I get yeah. home. You know, because it's not it's not cheap to go get a house on the beach. Yeah. So t- tell me about the trips themselves. Like, what does that what does that look like? Yeah. So um, we just got back uh, two weeks ago. From yeah. So we had a little bit of a scheduling. I had some stuff, and you had some stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm taking this trip to surf." <laughs> Works out well because now Dude, I got we, started. Yeah. I was it. like, "We need to do this after that." Like, absolutely. So tell, like, what did that trip look like? Yeah. So, um, who do you take? How do you get qualified to go? Where do you stay? Like, what? Tell me. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, at this point, it's more of a uh, like a selection. It's not really like an application okay. process. Like, you can't just go. I want to go on the next trip. It's it's more or less we're going to like fill a need, find a mission, and so. Um, few months back, I'm sure you heard uh, police officer, Overland Park police officer Mike Mosier was killed in the line of duty. Uh, he was the one that was rolled up on a, mm. a hit and run driver um, on his way to work. So he's in uniform, but in his personal car. And then uh, the guy produced a gun and they both ended up shooting it out there. And mm. unfortunately, both lost their lives. So um, the department we took or targeted this past trip to Seal Beach was um, Mike Mosier's best friend. Mm. And what motivated, motivated me to, to, to take him in particular was I watched him give Mike's eulogy, and I was very moved by it. Oh, man. So we took Mike, and then, uh, I'm sorry, we took Brandon Faber's his name, Mike's best friend, and then mm. he identified two people to bring with him, uh, which ended up being Rachel Scattergood and uh, Brad Heater. And all three of them mm. kind of are heading up the FOP, uh, Mike Mosier was actually the president, and so they've kind of picked up the pieces where it comes you know, wow. as far as the FOP goes. And then they've been very instrumental in kind of helping the department heal, and then also, you know, with Mike's family and stuff. So mm. uh, they've had a lot on their mind. Plus, they're working full time. You know, it's not like they get a, you know, time mm. off to do this. They're they're working plus all this other stuff. So uh, I approached Brandon, and he was 100 percent all over it. And Brandon's not a little dude. He's like six million feet tall. I don't know. He's a lot <laughs> taller than me. Um, you know, big. Uh, Midwest guy. So nobody had ever like actually surfed before. So this is all brand new. And uh, yeah, we went out to Seal Beach. I had, uh, I don't know, have you heard uh, heard about Warhorse for Veterans? Um, heard about that outfit? Not, I don't think I have. Okay. So they're, they're another better established uh, service organization okay. that serves 
veterans first responders. So Patrick Benson, he's one of those guys that's really been helpful for Swell. Uh, he came with us. Um, he's not a surfer either, but he wanted to be a part of it. Uh, he helped us fundraise and then obviously helped me while we are out there. And we flew out to LAX. Uh, my buddy Reggie, he works for Sports Dimensions, which is um, Mori Boogie, Body Glove, okay. Jet okay. Pilot, a uh, big surf company. He was able to get uh, them to sponsor us, so all the equipment, oh, pop-up cool. tents, uh, all that out there. And uh, Reggie and Adam, Adam owns Merck Optics, make really sick sunglasses and snowboarding uh, gear. Okay, yep. um, They help sponsor the event. And then went surfing Friday, drove to the um, house we rented, two-story house. Everybody had their own bedroom. It was really sick. Uh, rooftop deck. That's awesome. And then Saturday we had a huge event. Out of the, not huge event, so yeah, yeah. social distancing, all yeah, that. So, I mean, yeah. there was probably like 40 or 50 other veterans, local first responders that showed up. Um, some of them surfed before, some of them hadn't. Uh, just went out there and had a good time. And then uh, Sunday we went back out, went surfing again. We did a paddle out with uh, Lays for Mike and a paddle out basically as you circle up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, say a few words about those that have passed. Throw your lay in the center, splash it, and then watch the flowers kind of drift into the – uh, to the coast and uh, Brandon actually had a pretty special moment out there because once he paddled in from the paddle out, uh, there were a couple of girls, little girls playing in the water and they saw these beautiful flowers floating in and they were just super pumped to get these flowers Mm. from the ocean. So Brandon took that opportunity to kind of tell them about Mike and and his legacy. So it was pretty cool. Oh dude, that gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's an emotional moment for sure. Um, The, the act of, surfing itself you teaching yeah six foot nine brandon or however tall he is um what's that experience like for him especially <laughs> like how, how's that because you know i'm just curious how that what that looks like yeah man so i uh you know we we start you know in the lakes the shawnee mission lake and I, I took him out a few times taught him how to paddle on a board how to sit on a board so at least they would have a little bit Some of an bearing. idea of what yeah. yeah so once we got out there it, basically i swim out while he paddles um to the lineup we try to get in the inside and then he faces the shore and i'm treading water waiting for the set to come in and then i use every little bit of strength i've got to push his big ass into a wave <laughs> and then from there it's kind of up to him you know i you can tell people all right put your hands and do a push-up come to your knees and stand up but until you actually like experience it it's hard to describe that and i go okay i know what to do so yeah. um yeah that that's kind of what that looked like it was it was a long time of me kind of treading water and pushing him into waves and, you know, pushing him out of his comfort zone, I think is there's something to be said for that too. And, and kind of overcoming anxiety because again, mm-hmm. he's uh, not a surfer, not used to doing things like that. So um, yeah, it was, it was fun. Now, Rachel, she took to it right away. Huh. She was a freaking stud. Yeah. hundred percent. And I awesome. think we might've broken Brad the first day, but he was, he was a good sport about it. <laughs> That's great. How did you, you you've landed on, these on the back of the business card and, and uh, the ways that you communicate, you've landed on these three kind of verbs, or I, I think they're verbs. Um, I, I'm in a content marketing business, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're verbs. Um, but you, you chose disconnect. I'm sure there were literally a million choices, and you chose disconnect, decompress, and reinvigorate. Um, why'd you choose those three? Yeah, man. So disconnect, okay. We live in Kansas City, which is a million miles from the ocean. So when I say disconnect, I mean, get out of your comfort zone. Mm. But geographically, get away from mm. the stuff that's filling you up. You know what I mean? Mm. Whether it's work, family, combination, whatever, and get away from that. Um, mm. Decompress. So get out of your comfort zone. Um, get some of that hypervigilance and just start melting that away by being focused, being mindful, um, having a moment to... Mm watch the sunrise, watch the sunset, mm. um, not worry about finances, not worry about is the bad guy going to walk up on me? What's going to happen in this next call for service? And then reinvigorate, come back and have all that other stuff that you've had to shove down, poured out into the ocean, leave mm. that crap behind and mm. be able to um, elongate your career. You know, the War Horse for Veterans guys, they've got a really cool saying called tactical longevity. So let's be purposeful mm. with continuing our careers because you can only shove so much crap down till something happens. 
So I've got a little bit of a theory if you want to hear it. And it's oh, based yeah. on nothing more than um, <laughs> experience and just wild ass guesses. So not all, because I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit there are some bad actors within our profession, which totally sucks. But I will say that um, it comes a point to where if you don't have a positive outlet, whether that's mm. working out, uh, art, jogging, whatever, mm. uh, surfing, that you're going to get so full of the crap that you have to deal with as a veteran, as a cop, as a fireman, as a nurse, as a doctor, mm -hmm. that you're just going to stop caring and you're going to become numb and you're not going to have the ability to show any sort of empathy. Um, and I've seen it before. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when I was a cop in Mississippi, there was a good buddy of mine that lost everything in the storm. Okay. And we worked 48 days straight of 16 hour shifts. And towards the end of that, 48 days. Straight. Yeah. Yeah. It sucked. Uh, towards the end of that, he wanted to go dig through his rubble pile that used to be his house, and he had a wife and kids and all that, and, and pick out some of his military memorabilia. And so that he asked for a day off. So the patrol commander came over and lined us up for our shift and said, hey, look, here that some of you guys want to have a day off. And we had cops from all over the place to come help us out. So there's mm -hmm. plenty of manpower. We wouldn't have missed him. And, he, and the patrol commander looking says, you know what? If you don't like it, fucking McDonald's is hiring. Oh, my god! So I saw that dude melt down because he was on a SWAT team with me, and we made entry into I don't know how many different FEMA trailers because they're selling crack out of them. But I saw him do some things that were outside of his character because of that. Oh. So that's just case well, in point. If he was so full, he doesn't care anymore. He has harvested all of his Fs to give. Like, they're done. Um, and so if we don't have these positive outlets, whether it's swell, whether it's horsemanship, whether it's art or whatever – you're going to have a bunch of cops or nurses or doctors running around and uh, they're just not going to be able to show that empathy. And then you're going to have these bad outcomes like, oh like you gosh. see in the news. I can't imagine. I mean, so this guy, he's, he's going through his own trauma of losing his own house with his own family impacted. Yeah. And then being asked to be the backbone and the foundation and the strength of a community for 48 days with 16 hours of, of no outlet to deal with his trauma. Of course he flipped, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. And, and then to be told by a supervising leader, uh, not, not only to not have the request granted, but to be shamed for the request. Yeah, in front of a group, too. Like, what the hell do you think's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, come on, guys, like, right? Like, um, it, it's, it's uh, to, to be able to process, that emotion has to come out. It will come out, right? Like, the emotion will come out either through healthy therapies like horsemanship as you said or art or surfing or journaling or writing or fill in the blank that emotion has to move um and it will come out in destructive hurtful ways uh, man that's that's a powerful reality in it and i just you, you were an officer for how many years 18 18 yeah um is that like and and obviously we're we're in really interesting waters here uh as a as a country but is that practice of, um, and maybe it's partially why you found it swell. I'm curious how those emotions are taught or uh, not taught. That's, that's the wrong way to ask the question. Um, is there an avenue to process in real time? Like, is that an encouraged practice? Is that a practice that's denied? Like I've read some yeah. interesting things about Navy SEALs and how there's been so much focus on, the physical requirements and the mental requirements are almost ignored until there's breaking points. Right. right. And so they're changing they're transitioning and evolving. I'm just curious, like what, what that mental health capacity, um, and mental processing, not even mental health, but, but how, how that has either been ignored or, or encouraged to kind of develop. Yeah. So I, I would say for the vast majority of my career, it was ignored and frowned upon like, um, like, don't show weakness, don't show... Yeah, yeah, probably very similar to the military. I think the military is a little bit ahead of um, first responders. I think now we're kind of in the initial um, stages of, mm. like, acknowledgement. Like, hey, we probably ought to do something. And it's silly because if you look at the statistics, um, I'm going to rattle off some numbers that may not be accurate, so forgive me. But I'll believe I, them. <laughs> I think it was... I wrote them down, like, a few weeks ago when I was talking with uh, somebody else. But it's... Like 289 cops committed suicide that they know of, and a lot of times these are go underreported mm. in 2019. 
And then if you pull the numbers of those that were killed in line of duty through assault, like getting run over by a car, shot, stabbed, whatever, I think it was like 78 or something. So, Is this nationwide or? Yeah, nationwide. Okay, okay. So I'm not real smart, but that's like more than three times the amount of cops kill themselves than get killed. And we would agree that being a cop's kind of a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. So you're, if you're three to four times more likely to take your own life, I would say, hey, maybe we ought to pay a little bit of attention to that. So I think we're in the early stages of acknowledgement. Now there's not a whole lot of programs out there mm. to really fill in the blank. And uh, certain departments do a better job mm. of um, allowing their people or encouraging their people to take part in that. Um, the department I worked for, they were pretty good about encouraging mm. visits to EAP. And if they saw a problem, they would actually sometimes mandate an employee assistance program. So basically, the, yeah. they would pay for counseling or therapy yeah. of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, varying levels, but I think there's still that old school guard because guys don't get in this job and just do it. Some do for four years, but there's a lot of like career people. So we have a lot of people that are still in the profession that are leaders in the profession that have been doing it since the nineties. So there's still a lot of that old sure, kind sure. of thought. So, um, and they probably haven't dealt with that stuff. Don't know how to deal with that stuff. Haven't been trained to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. for sure. And you know, and those, what's kind of weird about the police department in particular is that, like those guys that have been there 20 or 30 years, they really haven't been like boots on the ground mm-hmm. in probably 15 or 20 mm. years. So, mm. you know, it's not real fresh in their mind either. What, what these people what are current doing. environment looks like. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, almost sad because it's like the people that have the greatest impact and contact with the community are those that have the least, um, amount of training and experience. So it's like, you know, the, the most junior guys with the least amount of experience are the ones in patrol and they're the ones getting mm. into the, fights, the use of force, the shooting, stuff like that. Mm. So, um, you know, obviously we prefer to have the most experience, the people with the most training, mm. um, having those encounters, but that's just not the case. Yeah, man, it's, it, there's so many fascinating ways to take that, right? Like, um, I, I, yeah, I, and I know you're, you're kind of have moved beyond that season of your life, but if you could, like, give encouragement, hope, direction leadership to and it's such such a macro thing to like give micro advice to i understand that um but like are there practical ways that you viewed because uh, you know without without stating the obvious here is like almost nothing could be more polarized than than in this day and age politics and police yeah (laughs) right like you, you it almost feels like you have to choose this like crazy extreme left, right, right, middle. I mean, you know, like it has to be this total opposite. And if you're not in one camp, you're, you're bad. And if you are in one camp, you know, like it, everything has been so demonized almost. Yeah. Um, in your experience, are, are there ways that you've seen could be addressed, can't, should be addressed, could give hope, could find encouragement? Like I, I I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I haven't had lots of these conversations with yeah, folks man. as close to it. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's um, a, a couple of things. I would say what the cops can do um, is they need more training. Mm. Like 100%. Like mm. you, I'll give you an example. They, when you mean, when you mean, mean training, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, like what do you mean by training? So um, the neck restraint deal or the chokeholds is like yeah. they call them. So um, the problem with that is improper application and people getting mm. not much training on it. So mm. in an entire year, we receive like maybe four hours of combatives training a year. And yet we're thrust into these situations daily with uh, horribly high stress, hor- yeah. horribly terrifying. Yeah, you're on the street with, I mean, yeah. you're fighting yeah. in traffic. And yeah. so you need more training. So I would say the cops need to take like 20% out of their schedule and just go, Hey, we're going to work on huh. this. And, um, you know, I know that the neck restraint has got a bad name, but I actually saved a guy's life one time using it mm. because he was a uh, a warfighter that came home, had severe alcohol issues and PTS, and he was actually Man. trying to run out into I-35 into traffic. And he was a big dude, and there were three of us on his back trying to prevent him from doing that. He just did a push-up, and he was climbing over the Jersey barrier, and the only thing I could think to do was put him out. And I did, and he was fine. Mm. So I've used it, and I'm not a big guy, so, I mean, mm. I use that all the time. And it prevented me from having these prolonged fights where maybe somebody grabs my taser yeah. and then guess yeah. what? Now, now what am I going to do? Yeah. Or, you know, I have to beat him over the head with my flashlight like that. 
putting somebody out with a neck restraint mm. um, was the easiest way to prevent me from getting harmed and whoever I was trying to to uh, harm themselves or others. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and I trained on it and I trained outside of, um, you know, what was required for me to do. So I would say that. And then when it comes to what can the community do? Well, can I interrupt you? Yeah. So the training, yeah. I imagine you're, it's already understaffed. It's yeah. already spread thin. There's no margin. So you're like, cool, new officer, boom, let's roll. Because <laughs> everybody, you need the help. You need the resources. Yeah. You need the, the, uh, the, the, the help, right? And so, it, it, and, and, and this has a business application too, but like the, the time up front to spend dedicated training, what, whatever that is, whatever that is, police, doctor, nurse, marketing, um, that upfront work and carving out that space and time to be, to, to give breath to the, to the training process is really free from a leadership perspective, really hard. Yeah. Cause you kind of want to be like, cool, we got people, let's go. You, I mean, we hired you, you should kind of know what to do. Right? right. Yeah. Um, you're resourceful, figure it out. Right. And, and I use that analogy, um, to, to a guy on our board actually. And he, he was like, well, think about it this way. Like if, Andy Reid doesn't collect the 53 best NFL athletes of, of his selection and then have them show up and go, go ahead, go play football, fellas. Like, everything is very regimented. Everything has space. Yeah. Everything has training. Everything has purpose. Um, so I just I, I wanted to, like, the, the, the concept of training, of course, makes sense. The practical carving out the time and giving the attention and spending the resources to do so is really freaking awesome. Hard. Yeah, and I'm talking more or less like ongoing training because you can only huh. learn so much the yeah. first year. Um, but yeah. you know, it's 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 an ever evolving um, profession with expectations mm. from the community or mm. like case law. Like when I first started in Mississippi, we got tasers like maybe a second or third year as a cop, and it was like if somebody was verbally non-compliant, you just tased them. Wow. Like that's, wow. you, know, you know, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, obviously since then there has to be some sort of active aggression um, for you to deploy that. Cause there was some case law. So stuff like that's ever mm. evolving. So, okay. If you were ultra dependent on the taser, which I was not by the way, then you better learn a new skill. Mm. So, you know, I think we do, we spend a lot of time in law enforcement focused on things that really aren't that important or stuff that maybe we shouldn't be dealing with. Or we're ill-equipped mm. to deal with. So mm. Mm. I think that there's room for us to improve upon the things that are really important, like driving, shooting guns, fighting, uh, de-escalation, dealing with people in crisis. Like, we need to be really good at that stuff. And unfortunately, we go, okay, you graduated academy, go do it. Good luck. Just like you, yeah. you know, had kind of discussed. So, mm. um, yeah, that's uh, that would be my advice for the profession is, like, you guys need to do a lot, a lot yeah. more training. yeah. Okay, I interrupted you. So then you were going to go carry on into... Yeah, yeah, I'll carry on forever <laughs> until somebody stops me. So I would say, like, we, you know, as a community, there needs to be more of these bridging programs. And when I say bridging programs, like, uh, have you heard of Kansas City, Kansas Police Athletic, Athletic yeah. League? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so a buddy of mine, Matt Thomas, runs that. And that is so awesome because it's taken, like, what better way to build credibility with the community than to take their children and teach them skills like they teach archery, art class, help them with their homework, mm -hmm. and they teach them how to box, mm -hmm. which is a pretty cool skill, especially in today's, mm -hmm. you know, society of don't touch me. You know, they're like in there, yeah. like punch each other in the face. It's pretty solid. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, if you're going to give your kids to the cops, like. There's a trust. Yeah. Transaction there. Yeah. yeah they got they a trust, community yeah. garden. They're yeah. feeding them, uh, you know, so keeping them out of trouble. Um, that's a great program and a good way to bridge the gap. And I'm actually cooking something up in my little pea brain, trying to get um, maybe some of those pal mm. kids out on a surf trip. Oh, dude. There's this company called 686 Clothing out in California. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. I'm not very cool, man. I'm from, I'm from Casey. Yeah, no, I didn't no, grow no. up surfing. No, no, you're cool. <laughs> you're cool. So, I mean, it's a, they have like Maddox is a, one of their surf brands, okay. snowboard okay. brands. So, their warehouse is in Compton, California. And mm. so they started the Compton Surf Club. And mm. Compton's close to the water, but they got a bunch of people that don't have the resources to go surfing. So they'll take kids out and teach them how to surf. So kind of my 
That's cool. My man. next big scheme, and I was talking with Thomas about this a little bit, is to get some of the KCK PAL kids, some of the Compton Surf Club kids, and a group of cops, and we take them out to the water, and everybody's learning to surf together. That's insane. Yeah. That's so freaking awesome. So yes, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but, I mean, yeah, I, I think it should happen. So uh, that's that would be an example of, like, a bridging the gap. Like, let's just put this cop crap aside, and I hate the police crap aside, and let's just be, like, human beings and, like, I don't know, let's be reasonable. Like, I'm so apolitical, and I hate, just like you stated, the fact that it's like, if you are if you like the police, then you must like this politician. Well, I mean, I like some things about this person, but I also, like, don't like a lot of the things yeah. that this person's doing as well. And I'm more or less, like, if somebody would run for office that was a, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like a reasonable human being, had, like, a good nature, and uh, was a patriot, like, I'd vote for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it reminds me just yesterday, not when the rest of the world hears this, but <clears throat> in my life, actually yesterday, I was in KCK going to a meeting near the Legends, um, stopped a quick trip, grabbed gas, did the thing, go in, um, and walk back out. There's an armed, uh, there's a, a officer in uniform and an African-American guy, not that that should matter, but it feels like I have to say that. Um African-American officer in uniform. And I was like, hey, hey, bro, really appreciate your service. Thanks. No, whatever, nonchalant, just like part of my normal day, right? Hit the bathroom, come out. That means a lot, by the way, when people say that. That's cool. It really does. That's cool. Um, the same guy is then standing outside on the corner, uh, still a quick trip, with his white fellow officer, partner, I'm assuming, um, and they're having a conversation with an African-American civilian just a dude in a chief's mask big chief's fan and i didn't hear the whole conversation it wasn't even my business but i was as i'm walking out the african-american civilian talking to the african-american cop and the cop was asking just insanely awesome questions he was just asking questions he was like well well how did you handle it when he did this and i'm assuming he was talking about some run-in with the cops that didn't didn't go well yeah was kind of the vibe i picked up and the cop kept asking all these questions, and the guy was just talking and talking, and he was talking. And the, the question I heard when he walked when I walked by was like, well, when he said this, how did you react? Yeah. And, again, I, I just kind of smiled, like, as I walked by, going, like, what a normal, reasonable, empathetic, like, encounter. Yeah. That, that's not going to make the news, right? No. And that's not going to hit the Twitter feed. But, like, that, that encounter of – normal human experience and finding connection points and finding empathetic moments was like, yes, the dude was dressed as a cop and yes, the dude was dressed as a civilian, but like those are two humans having a conversation, trying to find some connection and some mutual understanding. And, and it does, it's such an oversimplification. I get it, but it does feel like that piece is missing at the macro of this, like, Hey, can I just like show up and listen and learn and understand? Yeah. yeah. Um, and everything's been so kind of demonized, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, when you, when you're so polarized in one direction or the other, it's like, you don't even think of the other person as a human being and you don't have the ability to put yourself in that other person's shoes. So, which is, you know, unfortunate and been kind of the downward spiral of what we've seen today with how people are treating one another. Yeah. Be a human being, like have a conversation Maybe consider how the other party sees it. So, yeah, obviously easier said than done. <laughs> um, the the uh, and I'm sorry, we could kind of probably go down that that trail for a long time. Um, I would love to to shift if you're cool with it into tell me more like vision of swell impact you want to make with swell. Um, I think it's fat. I mean, even your example now of like the pal kid and the, and the Compton surf club kids, um, like what's the, you know, the entrepreneur vision part of you as you, you know, scan the horizon, so to speak of, of the future and the growth of what you're up to and what you want to see accomplished. What does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, fundraisers are fun and all, um, but it would be nice to develop some, um, you know, lines of revenue. So we've got, you know, some pretty cool logos that we throw on hats and t-shirts and stuff like that. So it'd be cool to kind of get that ramped up to where we could be self-sufficient, make more trips. Um, I love to surf, Mm -hmm. but it would be so rewarding for me to just kind of go as a casual observer and watch other mentors 
that I've taught over the years, teach others how to surf and then just kind of grow the program to where we're making multiple trips. So as we mm. see a need, like, you know, I know KCPDs had to hold the line for a long time. They got, you know, rocks and bottles hitting them upside their head, people yelling mm. and cussing at them. So I think they've dealt with quite a bit. Mm. Like it would be great to just be like, all right, hey, five of you dudes, let's go. We're going mm. out to, you know, Cali right now. Throw them on a plane, have the departments, you know, back us, give them the time off, let us take care of all the funding, uh, get them decompressed, get them back here, elongate their career, and then use it like a, a bridge gapping tool to where we're including families. You know, I think um, not only families from the community, but like the officers' families too, because we're terrible when it comes to being like good mm-hmm. fathers and mothers sometimes. Like that, that seems like that's what gets sacrificed the most. Um, mm-hmm. The divorce rate's ridiculous. and Is it really? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's silly. And, you know, it's because you're working weekends, holidays, you're putting up with a bunch of stuff. When you get home, you don't want to talk about it, so you just builds and builds and builds, and then you just become like the shell. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, 2016, 17, mm-hmm. I, I was not a good father. I was not a good husband. And it almost cost me, you know, Mm. my family because I was allowing these things to build up and build up and build up. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I almost experienced it myself. And I'm glad that I came out on the other end. I'm glad that, you know, my wife showed me some grace and allowed me to Mm. stay in the house. (laughs) But, Mm. you know, um, yeah, that's... that's, Those are the same years I about burned my marriage down. So, yeah, (laughs) you and I both. Great. Yeah. Man, we could be living in an apartment together on the square. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) With no internet and no running water. Yeah. Yeah. We'd steal it from McDonald's, bro. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. But, but I think that that's the part and I'm, I'm so glad you kind of went there because I think whatever it is, I mean, obviously in your particular case, um, the, the police force was that, um, I think in this, and again, man, it's not this simple, of course, but in this chase and this desire to build, it's like, yeah, yeah. What cost? At what cost? At what cost does it look like for you to climb the ranks as a, as a captain? I don't know all the damn terms. I wish I did. I wish I have tons of buddies that are cops and I'm always feeling bad that I don't know all the ranks but like climbing that rank right like there's value and and meaning and purpose in that and like the flip side there's always a dark side to the coin um and and that piece that you kind of mentioned of like hey that came at a cost it almost came at a huge cost and you worked but the cool part is like you guys it seems like have worked through that and yeah Yeah, and I think it's just a combination of marrying the right person. You know, not everybody's as fortunate as I am. Uh, You know, and then me having the emotional intelligence to realize, like, hey, you're being a butthole. You probably ought to knock that off if you want to, you know, stay in your house. (laughs) So, yeah, man. So, I mean, I I just – I want Swell to be um, something that people can look forward to and we can expose as many people as we can to this and then, you know, be a um, bridge for the community, the families, and – the goal is to keep the good cops mm. like reinvigorated into where they can continue their career. I mean, I would think the vast majority, not everybody would agree that we need to maintain the good cops we yeah. have because it's difficult right now. There's a lot of people second guessing, like, do I want to continue in this profession? Like, and, and what, what's this going to cost me? What does this look like? We're pretty fortunate in Kansas city, but I've talked to some cops out in California and yeah. like they're getting followed home. And their families are getting harassed. They're getting their identities stolen online. Mm. And they're just, you know, just straight blasted. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's happening a little bit here in Kansas City as well, but maybe not so much in the suburbs. Um, so it's tough. And I think mm. we need to really be purposeful mm. in, in how we treat our, in my opinion, our nation's heroes because those are the people that you're going to call when it's the darkest hour. Mm. Man, well said. Um, yeah, it's well said. Is, is there, like – while you're in the water, are there are there specific things you're saying to help people decompress? Like, are, is, is this an experiential weekend trip? Is yeah. this a yeah. educational? Is it a combination? I'm just like, how did you program kind of the the purposeful elements of, or does it just happen because you're in the water? So it's so organic. So like, surf trips for me have always been like somewhat softly scheduled to where there's no there's some things you want to accomplish you know obviously with the paddle out and the get together and stuff like that but it's like on your own time i don't know what the get together means what does that mean uh with with the event down there uh saturday at the oh, beach oh, with oh, everybody just kind of i thought that up. was like a surf term i didn't know yeah no, yeah, no, no, no. I got it. so okay. um you know surf trips have always been like good food yeah 
um, well, up until now, not great like sleeping accommodations, <laughs> but we're, that's a part where we kind of program in. Um, and then just surf until you're absolutely exhausted. Mm. And then when the sun goes down, you know, if you want to have a beer or whatever, cool, and just relax and just let it go. So that's great. Um, the lineup's an interesting place. So the lineup's where you sit and watch the sets come in. So you're past the breakers, so you're not getting worked on the inside. And you're just waiting, waiting, waiting for the waves. And it doesn't matter how crowded that lineup is, people are quiet. And it's almost like faux pas to be chatty Cathy out there. Like, it's annoying. Like, uh. people are in their own space. Like, you can say... It's almost you know, like, meditative, almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in the moment. So, like, you, if you recognize somebody, you can give them, like, a head nod or what's up. And then, like, the I mean, most... Is there dozens of people, hundreds of people? Like Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. I mean, depends. Like, yeah. with this trip, we obviously try to stay away from, like... We didn't go to Huntington Pier, <laughs> like, right. where the pros are at. So, we stayed down the beach. Um but, yeah, so, I mean, like, the most people will say, like, in the lineup is they'll give you, like, a you if, like, the set's coming in. But that's that's about it, man. So, really, I'm not saying anything. People are watching the horizon. And it was really cool because each day we're out there, there's a pot of dolphins. Awesome. Um, and and those are those guys are just fun to watch. And it means that the sharks aren't around. So <laughs> Really? Why? Yeah. I don't get that. Uh, dolphins will bully sharks because really? they run in pods. And they're obviously after the same fish. Um, so they'll, they'll run them out. Didn't know that. Yeah. Now I knew. When you, this is such an ignorant question. Um, how do you know what wave to surf? Like when you're saying the sets are coming in, I'm yeah. like, okay, like, do you just, why wouldn't you just pick the next one? Yeah. How well, do you know? So uh, this, the waves come in sets, like usually Got it. two to three waves. Um, you don't want to close out. So a closeout's going to look like a wall coming at you, right? And it's going to just break all at once and just dump. And you don't want that. You want a face to carve. So something that looks like an A-frame mm. is best. And if you're on the right side of the A, then you go right. If you're on the left side, you go left. So you want something that's kind of a slow roller gradually building that doesn't have a small wave in front of it that's called doubled up. You don't want to get doubled up because it loses okay. all of its energy. So something that's not one big wall and looks like an A-frame, that's the wave you want. What happens if all... 30 people in the lineup choose the same wave. Then Good what? question. So I've always it, wondered that. Call it like, a party wave. And really? Then, yeah. Have you watched Point Break where the guy yeah. gets his leash cut and punched in the face? That's what happens. No, okay. no, no. So, <laughs> so there's an etiquette to it. So whoever is closest to the peak, so where the, where the wave breaks first, gets the wave. So if you are going huh. left and so is the... Left, front, like facing the shore going yeah, left? If you're, okay. Yeah, if you're turning left into the wave, like right in the wave left, and there's a guy to your right or a gal to your right, you just snake that person. You better kick out of the wave and let them take it. But if there's somebody in front of you, then they need to get out of your way. So you want to be the the person closest to the peak. That's your wave. Now, you can if you have a perfect A-frame, somebody can go left and somebody can go right, and that's cool. Got it. Because you're going out of each other. Because obviously it doesn't peak... Yeah, it peaks at one physical spot, not to the whole lineup. That makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've always, I've, I'm always like, there's like a 50 people in there. How did they know who gets to go? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's whoever's in the best position because where we were surfing to, it's not a reef, it's a sandbar, so it it breaks a little bit different in different places. So you'll get a peak over here, a peak over there. Whereas like a ra- uh, reef is like a solid structure under the water, and it breaks right there every time. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Um, those three uh, folks you took on the last trip—I know this is anecdotal and yeah. not scientific—but what's been their reinvigoration story? Their kind of reentrance story. What what have they carried with them back into their real life when things are hard and stressful and scary and and um, stuff's flying? You know, like what's what's been their experience kind of on the post trip side of things? Yeah. So I mean, we give them a questionnaire. Uh, before and after and kind of what they all stated in echo in the after is that it just they just needed a break man so if you think about stress in a cumulative sense and you fill a bucket once that bucket starts overflowing like you're in trouble and I think what they were able to do is empty that bucket out in California and you could see it on their faces like I don't know if you checked out any Instagram posts or whatever but like they slowly became like pretty happy is the more sunburnt they got the bigger the <laughs> smiles were so you know uh rachel in particular mm. like i never really saw her smile unless it was like some sort of sarcastic comment made towards one of the other guys until we we're out there and then like by the end of it 
there's a picture that, you know, I, I reflect on where she's holding six scoops of ice cream and she has the biggest smile on her face and mm. she's super crispy sunburnt and just having a great time. So, uh, That's yeah, awesome. I, I would think hopefully what they got was just, just, empty their bucket out so they could pour some more in. And I guess that's the goal is mm-hmm. to be able to, to take on more. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's well said. It's That's a great kind of uh, pretty bow to, to wrap. Um, man, I'm, I'm really grateful for your honesty and your vulnerability and, and the ways that you've shared your story. We do end every show. I don't know if you know this with the same. I do. Okay. The same five questions. Yeah. Um, so if you're cool, let's rock. Let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. What is the last book that you read or listened to? Uh, the last book I read was Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins. That's the Navy SEAL book I was talking about. Yeah, that dude's uh, a stud. He's fr- I'm like, huh? No, it's- I'm sorry. It wasn't. I read that one, and then I read the one that um, – what's the one where he's with uh, the guy he's basically stays with him and puts him through Navy SEAL training? Oh, man. The guy's married to the lady that founded Spanx. Okay. Anyway, your listeners will know. They're probably screaming right now. Going, it's that book, you moron. You read it. So, The Goggins book, I heard him on Rich Roll's podcast. Um, that, that's what I was referencing earlier when I, I, meant, I mentioned that. Because he, he had kind of talked about the, the downfall of the program as he went through it was, it was so focused on the physical yeah. um, manifestation of whatever version strength looks like, right? And, and how he always had the mental... The, the silent kind of edge um, with his own mental strength, which is, I mean, that dude Incredible. went through some insane. Just, just mentally eat people's souls, yeah. and that's how he Literally. fueled himself. Right, yeah. which is like, yeah. I'm not entirely sure if that's healthy. Right. <laughs> but, like, there, there are some pieces in there that are like, holy smokes, I could grow yeah. from, from learning and listening to his story. Fascinating. Um, cool. Uh, what's, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? I do swell full full time. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Love it. Well said. Um, I think I know the answer to this one. What's your favorite t-shirt? Well, the one like, you're wearing. Yeah, my swell t-shirt. <laughs> uh, I need to buy one of those. Where do I get one? Yeah, uh, the swell s w e l dot org, or you can hit us up on Facebook. Yeah, the swell dot yeah. org. Yep. Yeah. Um, favorite t-shirt. It's oh, I mean, I don't want to be cheesy and say this, you know, the swell, but. Pick another one, too, because um, it has to yeah. be a favorite. It's a kick-ass shirt. So I got uh, a shirt my buddy Ashton gave me from a bar in Denton called Lucky Lose, <laughs> and it's super soft. I still got it. He got it for me, like, probably 11 years ago, something like that. It, on the back, it says, do not arrest this person. <laughs> and the funny thing is I, I worked undercover for four years, so mm-hmm. I go do drug buys, and occasionally we would arrest people after we bought drugs from them. I wouldn't, but somebody else would. So the team would come in, and I'd be wearing that shirt. And, you know, the drug dealer thought it was not, you know, ironic. But then <laughs> I obviously found out later I was a cop. Like, oh, damn so, it. So, yeah. I, I, this is not part of the program. I do want to hear, like, that that scene is fascinating. I mean, you see that in movies and whatever else. And yeah. a guy like me can kind of understand it. But, like, a guy who did it, what did a undercover drug buy actually look like? I mean, do you, like, get – like, do you change your appearance? Like, what's that yeah, look like? Yeah, so, I mean, I had a mohawk at one point. Um, it just depends on who you're buying from. Like, I was buying – I worked with the FBI for a while, and I was buying, like, huge amounts of LSD from this group. And um, they were so nice to me. I, like, I almost felt bad. Like, they couldn't give me hugs. They're always trying to get me high. Um, <laughs> but it was a lot of money. Like, you're doing $5,000 buys. Maybe giving them cash? Yeah, yeah. So, it was – with that group in, t- in particular, it was super cool. Like, the bigger the deal, like, the less stressful it was. Uh-huh. It's the small, like, I'm going to buy a teen or a Coke from, you know, home dude on the corner. That's the scary part because that's really where the risk was at. But these, the bigger deals were. And how do you, yeah. I mean, and you're, and you're, like, all wired up. and Yeah. Like, don't, it just seems so odd. Like, don't they know? Don't they, aren't they skeptical of every buyer? <sighs> Or they should be. Like I got really good. Such at, a stupid question. I, I get it. You know, so I told you like all the places I've lived in my life. Like I just I don't want to like brag, but like one of the few things I'm good at is like talking to people and maybe disarming them a little bit. And I'm good at like yeah maneuvering and blending into certain situations that might dictate me to do that. So yeah, I just got good at that. I mean, the first time I was gonna buy dope, I was like scared out of my mind. Oh hell yeah! Uh, and the funny thing is, I was buying like a small bag of weed from like. <laughs> 
just some dude. It wasn't even that big of a deal. And it was like, you know, boom, 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 boom. my heart was racing. And I think I told the, uh, the surveillance team, like the wrong area. So I was like on my own. And like, after I got done, I felt so good about myself. My partner called me, he's cussing at me. He's like, we didn't see anything. And I was like, Oh God. So Sorry. yeah, my bad. And where have you lived? Florida, Hawaii, California, Virginia, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, and Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. You said that before the show and I was like, man, that, yeah. that just rattled off the tongue. <laughs> like you've said it before. Um, all right, man. Got it. Number four. What's your favorite place on earth? Um, I'm going to be very nondescript. It was just say the lineup for the same reasons that I discussed, man. It's a, it's serene. It's peaceful. Um, watching the sunset or rise from the lineup is some of the best moments I think to truly be at peace. And what, what is that experience? Like the peaceful feeling, are there other feelings that come in that moment? Like, are you, I mean, it's these, right? Yeah. <laughs> like man. what happens for you in that moment? Yeah. It's that, it's that decompression and just kind of your shoulders kind of, relax you're able to breathe a little bit easier it's awesome all right last one a little heavier when it's all said and done what do you want to be remembered for i want to be remembered as somebody that put others first that i lived a life of service whether it was to the Mm -hmm. community or my fellow first responders or veterans or just the greater good and that i sacrificed but i did so with purpose damn well said bro uh, you mentioned the swell, S W E L only one O dot org. Uh, where else can people follow along on Facebook? the journey? Uh, okay. yeah, Facebook's a good spot. And then we're on the gram. So the swell mission. So yeah, hit us up. You'll see the two cross surfboards and S W E L. That's us. It's awesome, man. Rob, thanks so much for your time. I'm grateful. Another fellow Rob connected us. Um, and I'm thankful you come and share your story with us, dude. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. As always, thank you for listening. Your attention is super valuable, so thank you for giving it to us. If you're a fan of the show, please go rate and review us wherever you're listening to this. I would really appreciate it. Until next time, when we get to share another great conversation with you, have a great week and let your life tell a meaningful story.